listening to episode 178 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season three of TNT's The Librarians. I'm battling a cold, and you had one before, right? Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know if it was cold so much as uh, like kind of seasonal allergies. Yeah, well, for me, I think it's just a cold, and I, I was thinking today as my voice was getting worse and worse the longer the day went on, I kept thinking like, Class, I have a podcast to record tonight. You got to save my voice. That's right. Book work. Book work. Nah, I sucked it up. We 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 did all right. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun now, like we said last week, to be talking about a show that's actually airing in the present. And obviously tonight we're here to discuss The Librarian Season 3, Episode 2, titled The Librarians and the Fangs of Death, which... Again, I love the title. And, 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 you know, at first I thought, okay, is this going to be something Serpent Brotherhood, you know, because of oh, the fangs right. yeah. of death? But, of course, it was fangs, just not yeah. what we expected. Sure. So, all right. Well, before we get too far along, I want to remind you guys, I'd love to hear from you. we got a few emails to read tonight. Uh, you can check us out at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. You can go to the website, leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. Record your own audio clips and the MP3 as an attachment or tweet us at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch and encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. And I've also been checking out the librarians. I think it's called TNT Facebook group. I forget fan group or something. I don't know. I've got it, you know, bookmarked, but, uh, you know, and some action there, a little bit of action on uh, the Reddit site, but uh, not as much as I would have thought, you know, once we got back into the live season. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a esoteric group. Yes. And a conundrum. So. <laughs> All right. A little bit of librarians news. Uh, next week's episode, which would be 303, the librarians and the reunion of evil is going to be directed by Noah Wiley. And it also appears that he's going to be directing episode 304 as well. That that's not quite as etched in stone. I mean, uh, that, that was on IMDb for an untitled fourth that probably would have bothered him fourth episode what do you mean for etched in stone i mean that sounds like that would hurt oh good point yeah stone would probably be like stop etching things in me i hear you and then (laughs) as we speaking of etching uh no wiley is slated to appear in seven episodes this season so it doesn't appear as if he's going to be in next week's episode although you never know i mean sometimes imdb doesn't really update the cast until after the episode is aired because i noticed one of the ones coming up doesn't have john harlan kim listed which i guess is a possibility but i'd find that kind of hard seems unlikely Yeah, 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 yeah yeah seems unlikely so now we do have some listener feedback this week. So why don't you uh, go ahead and start us off? So this one's from Lisa King and Lisa says, I think I would have given this episode a B plus. I think it is inevitable that Cassie used magic as we saw in the future. She had mastered it. She's already showing the inclination to do so. Eve is aware of this fact. So that could be a factor in later episodes where she will not warn Cassie off of using magic. Also, her training Stone in the martial arts, which Christian Kane already knows, ties into Stone's future self. I want them to bring Stumpy back since Excalibur made a comeback. On a side note, I do appreciate the leverage love, and I'm still waiting for a Take 5 comment on the series. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that too. What's up? Yeah. (laughs) Busy. You are giving it up for the podcast tonight. You went to one daughter's uh, field hockey game? 
Uh, this is indoor lacrosse. Indoor lacrosse. Ran home. Going to record. Run back to see the other daughter's game. Yes. So now, as far as Stumpy and Excalibur, I yeah, Stumpy. Look, I love Stumpy. No question. <laughs> come on, I gotta love but Stumpy, man. Excalibur, come on. I, I, it's Excalibur. Yeah, yeah, it's a little something special. Yeah. Um, you know, the, Stumpy is obviously alive and well in everyone's hearts still. Um, I don't know if we'll actually see him again, especially since he kind of got broken into a bunch of different pieces, but. Uh, It'd be nice to have, you know, maybe Stumpy's got like a, you know, maybe there are other members of his litter that uh, could trail around, uh, you know, um, Ezekiel. Or we use a recombination spell and. Yeah, right. But, but, you know, but, but as Lisa points out, that whole propensity of Cassie's to use magic, I don't think we've seen the last of it. And obviously we're going to talk a little bit about it in tonight's episode as well. So really bears uh, keeping an eye on. Yeah, well, like I said, I mean, it, like my, I, I think even after this episode, uh, my prediction that this is building towards some big, you know, conflict with her using magic and going too far with it, and now becoming a threat to the other librarians. Um, I am, you know, even after this week, I'm even more sure that that's what they're building towards. Yeah, because it can't be the first time that a librarian has been tempted to overuse magic i mean how could well, it no i mean the first uh movie the first librarian movie right right that was what it was all about the previous librarian had gone over to the dark side yeah. so all right well we also heard from davia archibald who says i'm enjoying your librarians reviews they've really made me appreciate the great storytelling i enjoyed this most recent episode a lot i loved seeing the team stand up for each other and follow flynn without question Funny to see the new librarians go for the walkie only to realize that the female commander had it. Nice to see Ezekiel offer to sacrifice himself for the team again. And it was a nice trick of Jenkins to save Eve. And looking forward to seeing all the adventures to fight Apep this season. And yeah, I'm, I'm liking Apep as a, a seasonal foe. Yeah. Well, we don't like him, but. Well, I like him we, as a foe. I don't. We like the character. Right, yeah. right. I had this conversation with my class today as they're uh, engaging in NaNoWriMo, albeit a couple weeks late, but we'll get our month in. But if you have, if your main character is a bad guy, is he still a protagonist? Well, it depends on whether you root for him or not. Okay. Like you could have a bad guy, you could have an anti-hero. Yeah. As long as you still root for him, it's a protagonist. Yeah. If you root against him, it's an antagonist. Okay. Right? Well, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, well, like, like you know, like Wreck It Ralph. I don't he's a bad guy, but he wasn't a bad guy. Oh, good point. So. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the librarians here, and this is season three. So you have once again ducked any chance, any possibility of me talking about Westworld. You're just, you're just. I'm not caught up. Uh, yeah, I, I'm like, dude. Are you serious? I'm, you know, I had to spend 20 minutes today watching the end of episode eight because I was reading a review, and I, I'm like. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. <laughs> so I don't know if I fell asleep or was. All right. Well, get caught up, man. We got, we got, oh, no. I got to talk this out. I know because uh, look, everybody I talk to go down the hall. It's like, did you see it? Did you, she's like, yeah, geez. I don't, I don't understand how you can live like this, dude. I know. I know. All right. Well, all right. The librarians and the fangs of death. 
Season 3, Episode 2, written by Rob Wright, directed by Mark Roskin. And this one aired November 27th, 2016. So first reaction for me, I liked it a lot. I liked it better than last week. And like like we said, we understand what last week's episode was all about. It has to set up the season. Sure. Right now, I'm at an A- minus for this one. Whoa. That's exactly the same grade I gave it. Okay. And That's weird. So, so we'll see. Again, I, I, I think it's possible I could go to full-blown A, but, but again, probably not. I think I'll probably stay with a, an A-. minus. But, okay. but there was a lot that was different about this one that I really yes. liked. And most of it revolved around Flynn Carson's character, who was much more subdued, dare I say, dark. Yeah. I don't, don't really like dark Flynn. Oh, I love dark Flynn. You did? Yeah. I don't know about I don't, Moody, Moody, Emo, Flynn was, I mean, I I liked it as far as it was like a change of pace for the character, but I didn't like it as far as this is how I want, I, I want to see this more. I like Flynn as the kind of swashbuckling, going through life, blinders on sometimes kind of guy. Well, we, like, well, we saw a little bit of that. I, we did, sure, sure, sure. But I guess what I liked was the fact that we didn't, see the buffoonish Flynn Carson. And again, I, I don't kind of like the, buffoonish well, I'm not saying I too. never want to see it, but, but <laughs> right. I like the fact that, that we saw another side of him and just that side, you know, which is said much more subdued. But my question is this side, this darker Flynn Carson, because look also, you know, I love evil Cassie. So that's true. You did like evil Cassie. Is it the thought of losing Charlene that really turns him dark, or is it that he fell for the trap set by Apep? See, it seemed to me he really wasn't that upset about falling into the trap when he first realized it was a trap. You know? Yeah. Like he's just like, oh, well, this is a trap. I figured it out, you know? Uh, I, I think it's really when he found the necklace. Uh, the I'm sorry, the pendant of Charlene's. Which, by the way, how did it get in there? Do Do you know? Uh, I don't know, and I don't think we found out. So I, I okay, that's, that was one of my questions. I'm like, wait, if, if that wasn't all right, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we'll speculate. So I, yeah, I, I definitely think it's the uh, loss of Charlene. Once he realized that, or once he thinks he realized that Charlene uh, died in the explosion, that he really is kind of that's that's where he goes dark then. Okay. But what I loved also is how they contrasted Dark Flynn with a much more visually softened feminine Eve Baird. You know? I, uh, yeah. I mean, right. the result of being with Flynn, I, I would certainly think to a certain extent. And uh, I think we have to ask ourselves, is this an Eve that we want to see on a consistent basis? Uh, again, maybe not so much. Okay. So, so I don't think she had, um, you know what I, I was going to say, I don't think there were any scenes where she had her hair pulled back the way she usually no, has it. Hair was down a lot. Yeah. You know, maybe not all the time, but certainly it was, it was down more than it was up. So, yeah. so yeah, I think you're right because I think that's a side of Eve that she can show. But I think she was still like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, no, no, that's okay. I, I mean, I think that's a side of Eve that she can show when she's around Flynn because it's almost as if she has Flynn as a backup. And sometimes I wonder whether she views him, you know, almost as a second guardian for the other three. 
Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way of pointing out. And, and that when he's not around, it's you know back to guardian mode. You know, tie the hair back. Right. Get, so, so we were saying that Eve was kind of like different this one. Are you talking just basically because of her hair that she was? Well, I mean, her hair and, and I mean, certainly, again, we'll talk about the scene when, when the two of them are, you know, they right. wake up the next morning and, and it's just a, just a, a softer side of her. Look, she okay. still did her job impeccably. Right, right. So I think, you know, we've seen this with other guardian slash female main characters in the, you know, again, referring to the movies. You know, certainly with uh, with Sonia Walger in the first one, uh, you know, she's a very tough type character, but then they also are, have a romantic interlude as well. And it happened also with the other two main characters who all, they weren't guardians in the second two movies, but they were still, um, you know, tough women who ended up, you know, falling to the charms of Flynn Carson. So, uh, so th- that was very reminiscent, especially she very much reminded me of, uh, a Sonia Walger in that, that, that one scene, because then the rest of the time it's like business as usual. And she's back to like, you know, you know, beating people up and leading and making plans and things like that and saving people. Right. No question. So I, I guess we'll probably find out right away next week. Now, the other thing, there were two guest stars that really got my attention and, and the one, played that female soldier who I don't really ever think we found out a name for her and they didn't list one on IMDb, but the actress's name is Hannah Barefoot. And I just thought she had a ton of screen presence. I, I really yeah. liked her. Uh, I, I liked the, the the writing they did for her. Except for when the like Tom died. She was like, no! I'm like, really? Well, it's the librarians. They're going with the no, okay. screaming no. Like, now, does anyone actually do that? Now, the other guy, he, he was he was the one that played Lieutenant Becker. Uh, and I, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but Yusman uh, Ali. And he just seems like I've seen him in so many things. But, uh, you know, once I checked, it, he was in three episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but, but he was just perfect for his role as the good sure. guy. Not as good guy because because again I you know we could certainly discuss his decision to set the self destruct because on the one hand that was really the smart decision to make yeah but he was kind of playing the a hole role all through right well he was kind of you know well if I don't stay behind who's going to protect it? well okay I get it you know you're head of security right. but still wait is, is it which all right which one was Becker was that. It wasn't the guy who found them, right? That was Tom. That was Tom, right? Uh, Tom's the black guy, and and, and uh, Becker was—I mean, he was clearly in yeah. charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was an a-hole. Well, he I was agree. A jerk, like the, the like the pretty much the whole time. Yeah, like every time, like he was the guy who every time they said let's do this, he was like, "No, oh, we can't do that." Well, look like, at look, I'm in charge. Well, look like, at his crew. Something. One of them's drunk. Yeah, well, you know, you, you, that's that's his that's a failure of leadership on his part. Okay, I think. well, good point, good point. All right, so yeah, uh, and of course, the guy who's drunk the whole time—I think it was a Scottish accent—but you know, he's got to be like, you know, some kind of Celtic person. Like, really? Yeah. Like everyone else has an American accent here. The one guy who doesn't is is loaded, and he's got they're a Scottish they're, slash they're, Irish. They're not accent. Americans. Like Canadians. Yeah, this is Canadian With Air Force. American Canadian accent. Americans, Canadians. What's the difference? Come on. All right. <laughs> now, the other thing, and we, and we kind of alluded it when we were reading uh, you know, the emails, 
that we continue to hear about the corrupting power of magic. And again, I just love that thematic idea. And I'm certain, as I know you are, that it's going to get explored throughout the season. But Charlene basically admits to using it. I mean, clearly she sure. uses it. Uh, yeah, to, to charm the, the cult right. guys. Not sure what that's all about, but. And then. I think it was just funny. Okay. You know? Right. And it was, no question. Yeah. Sure. Did it seem to you that more people died in this episode than usual? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I was wondering if it was just me. Well, I mean, that's actually a good question, though, because I think there are probably some episodes where there were. I don't know. I don't know if we really had a body count that was really big in previous episodes. But yeah, a lot of lot of lot of lot of death, right? Shooting, things blowing up. It was yeah, it was violent. Right. Now now again, and and as I, you know, always say, you, you certainly know better than I that for younger children, maybe this one's a little violent, but Again, they don't show anything. You know, they they maybe show the guy fall over, and they say, "Well, I guess he's dead," or, or what, you know, acknowledge that a character's dead, but we don't necessarily really see it in any kind of graphic detail. Right? Doesn't make it any less impactful, but still, sure. there it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, the, yeah, it's not right. It's not graphic. We don't really see it, but yeah, it's, it's so it's almost like you kind of have to think about it a little bit. You know, like, oh, well, I think. A lot of people just died there, you know, and everything. Um, well, yeah, so. and, and I guess coupled with the fact that at the heart of it, Charlene is mourning Judson's death, right? I mean, I think that's what this is all about. This is her way of coping with it. Yeah, right. So, you know, right or wrong, and, and you know, certainly – uh, you know, when Tom dies, the you know he obviously had the relationship with the the female soldier, and you know there was there was that. Although she screamed, and you didn't like her scream, that that's okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Well, why don't we get into the episode proper? I love the opening scene, the uh, uh, you know the dream within a dream, and and Flynn wakes up at his desk in the library, and again wearing that silk bathrobe. I'm thinking like, all right, this is classic Flynn. And I'm almost ready for silly Flynn, but we don't really get it because right away we get that ghost-like voice. And then the image of Charlene leads him to the doors, which he opens to reveal that apocalyptic world on fire. And I'm thinking like, yes, I love it already. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. But we didn't go there because he wakes up again. So, right. so yeah. he was dreaming that he was having a dream, which again, I, you know, sure, yeah, that's that's okay. I love that, that, but that whole idea of the apocalyptic world—I mean, that's almost what we we had. I mean, if the super collider goes up, I mean, who knows the impact? And then, of course, we're we're trying to hold off Apep from releasing pure evil into the world, and and again, who knows what that is going to entail, but. I don't think an apocalyptic scene is out of the question. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, well, once again, they've now more openly discussing this kind of um, apocalyptic battle between good and evil that uh, is already occurring, according to Jenkins, you know. Yeah. Um, how that, you know, how can that not you know, recall that, right? Yeah. Wasn't that long ago that we were podcasting about an apocalyptic ending for... 
show that shall not be named. <laughs> yeah, lost girl. Well, you said you weren't going to uh, name it, and then you, went you knew I was going to say it. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, so, all right. So, we already kind of mentioned even Flynn tracked Charlene down because I guess his spies out in the world have let him know that she's alive and relatively well, although he gets in his mind that she's in trouble, only to find out that it's an enchantment artifact to uh, trick her beefy massage therapist into thinking she's an Incan <laughs> goddess. Right. And then, like, did she really think Flynn wouldn't find her, though? You know, that's like. Well, you know, you wonder whether it's one of those things that if you if you put out enough signals, then maybe right. you're doing it because you want to be found. Yeah, true. And and since she's using magic, she probably figures that at some point Flynn's going to become aware of that or the other librarians, although certainly uh, you know, it's Flynn that I think she wants to make contact with. But I, I, I love when they get in there and, and – and again, I mean, you know, we hear the the sounds going on outside the room and we, and we think we know what we're going to see. But then, of course, we realize, well, no, this is the librarian, so it's not going to be that. But then Eve sides with Charlene, which, you know, I love. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's classic. Right. Now, they want her to come back to the library. So, I mean, is that, do they, they really need her help? I, I mean, I guess that's true. Well, yeah, when it, she realizes, you know, when she hears it, like Apep, like because at first she's like, "No, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to help." You know, I'm, I'm out. And then when she hears it's Apep, now all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, um, you know, now it's kind of like serious." Right, but but I mean, Flynn goes after her because he thinks he needs her to defeat Apep, or he goes after her because he senses she's in danger, or. I was never really clear, and I guess it could be either. I, I, I think they, they they need her. Okay. I'm pretty sure that I, – I can't recall exactly when he said that, but I'm pretty sure that that was like – that they definitely you know, need her. That's – Yeah. And, and, you know, there were some really good scenes in, in this episode. This one might be my favorite when Charlene's basically telling Flynn that, you know, as you were just alluding, nah, I'm not really, I'm not really into that. And then Eve mentions that Cassandra's doing the bookkeeping and that obviously gets her, oh, I see what you did. (sighs) I like her. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, I I love it. I love it. Yep. Easily my favorite. All right. So I was a little surprised not that Charlene said, uh, okay, let's get a good night's sleep. You two don't mind sharing a bed, do you? I'm like, okay. Uh, well, they, they, you know, it was like almost like they didn't want to appear too eager about it, you know? But on the one hand, I was even surprised that it was brought up so blatantly. Not that I minded. I, I, I really thought it was done well, and I thought the next morning – seeing them, you know, bathed in that warm morning light and, and, you know, her talking about a real vacation, just, just so real. And look, I mean, she's a good looking woman. She, she, you know, this scene with that light, she's just stunning. Yeah. And Hey, he's a good looking guy too. Yeah. Well, and what we really haven't seen is, the, the sexual side of the relationship, right, right? Right. Like we've seen some like kissing and stuff like that, but 
you know, it's almost like you make a case of that they hadn't even gone there yet, though, you know, that kind of would boggle belief a little bit. But, you know, you could say that because it really has. So now that it's kind of official. Yes, they've gone there. Right, because it's Move not. Move on. Uh, because it's not as if Flynn Carson has not had relationships with women, right? Because sure, we, he's had, like I said, he's had a relationship with almost every single woman character in every, you know, well, in, in the movies, he did. He had a. You know, he went there with all of them. Right. But the other thing I think about this scene, not only, you know, the, the you know, sexual connotations, but it's just that one of the first times that we really just see both of them relaxed, that uh-huh. even though APEP is still out there, even though, you know, as soon as Charlene gets up and they get breakfast or whatever, they're all going to go out and do that. But it's just that it was just so calm, so peaceful and... Uh, I just again, I I really thought it was a a, a beautifully done scene, you know, visually, sure. the the dialogue. Now, the other thing that he then mentions, which I I think plays into the importance of this episode and the importance of him finding Charlene, is when he mentions that the two of them have never been on an adventure together. Okay. Right. Yep. On the one hand, hard to believe, but you know, on the other hand, I mean, our introduction was really, you know, Judson and Charlene run the library. Right. And, you know, Flynn is the library and he goes, so, so it's almost like, why would he, you know, I don't recall. Yeah. I mean, he didn't go on any adventures with Judson, did he? Uh, no, Judson was, yeah. From the, the movies, Judson was always kind of linked just to the library. Yeah. yeah that's what I thought. So then we find the scene where all Charlene's men are found dead by Eve and Flynn, determined that they killed each other, prompted by APEP, of course. And, and you know, like you, I think it was you last week, there was something you couldn't, you knew you had seen it in the show. I don't think we ever figured out what it was. Right. And I'm thinking like, okay, where have I seen this before where everybody turns on everybody? And again, I, I mean, it's something I've seen in the last six months, but uh, it never would come to me. So. I give up. All right. So <laughs> we're back at the library. Flynn wants to rewire and then use one of Jenkins' doors to find Charlene, even though, as Jenkins tells him, they're designed to find places, not people, which I, I guess then caused me to think, well, didn't J- Jenkins have these portals before? I mean, how did how did Flynn get from point A to point B? Right. But they, they just never had linked it to a place not a person well yeah i get that but i mean why would he have never well i don't know like i i guess i was gonna say why would he have never tried to re- rewire them before but well you just see his attitude about it. he says he, he has he's a very negative nancy he says it can't be done well true now now while right. all this is going on you notice what jones is doing right Eating pizza. Yes, <laughs> he's got the he's got the whole box on his lap, and <laughs> uh, again, classic scene. But yeah, well, you know, he's, he he says he, he's like watching uh, Flynn. He's like a a cat chasing catnip. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> and 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 again, you know, one of the things that librarians does so well is subtlety. And you know they start. Well, it does sometimes. It does that well. Well, I, it, look, I, I mean, some of the things are over the top. There's no question, but. But but just like little scenes, little glances, and we get a couple of them in this scene, but they're talking about the fact that they need certain objects that have emotional significance to be able to to track her down. And when, when they bring that up, object emotional significance, 
Jones looks at his pizza slice. <laughs> and I'm like, that is so. I did not catch that. So uh, I say it is subtle. Yeah. All right. So then Stone and Cassandra have retrieved the ledgers to help Flynn yeah. zero in on Charlene's location. Again, not so subtle. Not so subtle. Good point. All right. So, but it doesn't matter. But, but I mean, like the thing is, like it doesn't need to be subtle. I mean, that's I think what personally I love about the librarians is the complete lack of subtlety. Like in that when they bring the ledgers, that's hilarious, right? Yeah, well, it is. Well, and what makes it even more hilarious is that Stone doesn't realize what, you know, why they're even bringing him in. And you clearly remember the movies better than I do. You know, I certainly know that just from our discussions the last few weeks. So to me, it was kind of a big reveal that Charlene is a guardian. That that's a huge reveal. Oh, okay, I, I just wasn't yeah. sure if I had missed something along the yeah, way. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, and that Judson was the first librarian. Right. That was that was that was that was big. Which okay, so to me, that speaks to a possible future for Eve and Flynn. You know? Oh sure. Like at the end of this whole thing, that could be like the last scene is those two like holding hands and walking into the library as the next kind of Charlene and Judson. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course Except Bonin. <laughs> but then what I feel bad about is that Jenkins is kind of left alone again. Now right. on the one hand you could argue, yeah, but that's what he really wants. But Yeah. I don't know if Jenkins is I somehow I feel Galahad's gonna Going to take one for the team before it's all said and done. Well, you know, they claim somebody's going to die this season. I don't know if you do. They claim that. Yeah, the 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 showrunners really really didn't want to know that. Well, at all. well, you don't know who. Why do showrunners go capping off? About See, now you like sound that? like me. Yeah, well, I agree with you in this particular oh, instance. Oh, I'm sorry. What what was that? Yeah, I did. I said it. I said it. Right. <laughs> I agree with you in this particular instance. I, I think we agree on a lot of things, uh, Dave. I but I completely agree with you that showrunners should just keep their mouth shut and let the fans do the speculating. Don't. Well, it's just like uh, you know the Westworld. Jonah Nolan and was it Lisa Joy? Is that yeah? Yeah. Say well, like a lot of the fans are dead on with their. I don't. I don't care if they're dead on. Shut up. Yeah. I don't want to know who's right, who's wrong. I want. I want. That's part of like watching a show, like Westworld, like The Librarians. You can speculate and theorize about things, and I don't want anyone confirming those until they actually happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So just just go run your show. Yep. Aren't you busy enough? Why are you even on Twitter? Well, get to work. Uh, you have a script to rewrite. You have editing to do. Stop messing around on Twitter. Okay. If I can channel my my best Kevin Batchelder, he would say, "Wayne, that's the way of the world these days, young man." Yeah, sure, I know. So, all right. Well, anyway, the other thing I love that comes out of this scene is that Eve. I think she already felt a certain kinship with Charlene, but then when she finds out that she was the original librarian, I, I think that you know takes it up several Guardian. notches. Uh, a guardian, guardian, right, 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 guardian. All right, so searching for the pendant that you mentioned earlier, and what I, again, I always notice these things, probably insignificant, but when they go through the door, Stone goes first, then Cassandra, Jones is last, although, yeah. to be honest, he figures Eve is right behind him, but she doesn't get through quickly enough door collapses she's left behind with jenkins so which has happened before like she really just needs to get on her horse and get through that door i understand that now from a storytelling standpoint 
I get it. As a narrative okay. device, Absolutely. I get it. But it's, it's kind of like they've already done it, you know, that way. Like, to get the librarians on their own, they had the door closed in her face. Well, and clearly they were listening to you last week because Cassandra didn't do any of her uh, hand-waving thing. I I know. It's amazing how they wrote that in the show that quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that just speaks <laughs> to uh, how good a writers they are and how they uh, can... Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, so we reached the underground super collider facility, which again, you know, I've looked that up on the internet a bunch of times because it comes up in different shows. All I know is super collider means super explosion. I I don't know. I don't know. know, Sometimes in time travel stories, they've got a super collider that's going to generate enough energy and whatever. But the soldier stops them, asks if they're infected. Alarm goes off and then the soldier says they're coming and we're like okay okay now stop right there Dave. all right because what show are you thinking at this point was this like multiple episodes of what show start off with this kind of same setup um well i would say the walking dead if i watch the walking dead no but, not know, the walking i don't dead, know what dude. tell me so a show where someone drops in on on where something is already crazy happening with soldiers and and weird creatures running around and he's got to come yeah, I said he has to come in and figure out what's going on and solve the problem. I don't know. Tell me. All right, it's Doctor Who. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so, getting it. So, like, I'm, I'm seeing this. I'm like, oh my god, there's so many episodes of Doctor Who where this is like the setup, right? So, I decided to go through, and these are just the ones since the Christopher Eccleston era, where the Doctor pops in into a like some kind of like corporate thing or military establishment thing and there's some kind of creatures like or like people being turned into creatures some kind of creatures going around uh killing people a lot of times it's, it's like the the crewmates are being turned in so first one the impossible planet and the satan pit okay those two together right yeah 42 one of my personal favorites planet of the ood remember that oh, one? oh yeah yeah maybe my all-time favorite the doctor's daughter oh gotta yeah. make that one yeah, that's a great one. Silence in the Library in the Forest of the Dead, when they're getting eaten by the the Vashta Naruda. Yeah. Okay. Silence in the Library. That that you know you talk about creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the, yeah, and you know people getting turned the Vashta Naruda taking over bodies. Yeah. Uh, the Waters of Mars. Remember with uh, Lindsay uh, uh, Walker, Lindsay Buckingham. No. <laughs> But yeah, the people were like turning into like zombie-like creatures. Yeah, uh, the rebel flesh, the almost people. Yeah, where you couldn't tell who was getting. You know, I, I just put dinosaurs on a spaceship to get it. You know, to get you to say how much you hate that episode. I didn't hate it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the next couple actually people are getting changed, but Cold War, Nightmare, and Silver. Now I think about it, those really don't apply. Into the Dalek, but you have like soldiers there. He was going into the Dalek. And then under the lake and before the flood. So quite a bit. Which is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But so it, it works. But I, there's, you know, as, as we said, um, I can't remember which of the showrunners is a big uh, fan of Doctor Who, but we've already seen it now uh, twice, some big Whovian influences. And this was just all about, like, this really smacks like a classic Doctor Who setup of being dropped into the adventure like this. 
Well, and in fact, once we hear about the infection, I mean, you can't help in this day and age think of zombies, and 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 of course, that's not what it is. And and right. So in my notes, I says, "Guard wants to know if they're infected." Then in big capillaries, please tell me it's the zombie apocalypse. And then two notes later, the dead rose up. Yes, it is a zombie apocalypse. And then the next note. Oh, man, it sounds like werewolves. Yep. Well, I was glad it was werewolves. I mean, we've got the... It's better than nothing. Well, we got the vampire apocalypse in Van Helsing. Exactly. We've got... I mean, that's a, it could have been worse. It could have been vampires. It's not ideal as it's not zombies. I will, I will settle for werewolves. Yeah. And, and you got to admit, Jones looked pretty cool as a werewolf. You know, I just can't help seeing Michael Land in there, you know, a little bit. I don't know who that is. What? I know. Come on. Michael Landon? Like oh, Michael Landon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought you said Michael Land. I got you. No, my, sorry. Michael Landon. Okay. Yeah. yeah he was uh, yeah. like, little I was Joe. a teenage. Yeah, he oh, was like, no. Uh, Michael Landon. Michael Landon played Little Joe in Bonanza. I know, but he was in about... a werewolf movie. Really? Yeah. He was like, like a, I was a teenage werewolf or something. Oh, Okay. I thought you were talking about Michael J. Fox, where he was the werewolf. Well, yeah, Michael J. Fox, too. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going Team too Wolf. far off base here. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm going to find out what that movie was. I know Michael Landon. All right. So, so obviously, something's infected the military crew because they start attacking everybody. Uh, you already mentioned about rising up from the dead, and we're wondering about zombies. Then, did you notice the female soldier we've been talking about wielding the crowbar a la Jacob Stone? Sure. Who doesn't wield anything in this episode that I can remember. Right. I don't think he spun anything or anything. I know. So then Flynn, Jones, Tom, and Becker go to search for Charlene, uh, finding the server room. It's all You got to always find the server room because that's where Cassie does her best work. Right. Um, but I also love the continued gaming in- imagery, this time with the Pac-Man yeah. you know, stuff after... Uh, Jones reconfigures the system to be able to scan Sandra the hallways. Sandra says it's like evil Pac-Man, is that what she called it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we find out the, the crew's been turned into werewolves. And then, again, my second favorite scene, certainly my favorite line, werewolves, mate, and not the dorky Taylor Lautner kind, Jones points <laughs> out. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good line. All right, so uh, they get the video. Or the, the Michael Landon kind. Yeah, well, good point, except... <laughs> Nobody knows Michael Landon these days. They, they, but that's just, that's a shame. Uh, well, yeah, I guess. All right. Well, anyway, uh, they get the video of the collider room and realize that Charlene is one of the scientists in the suits. Well, 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 at this point, that's what they think. Right, right, right. At this point. And then even at that point, you're like, I'm pretty sure it's not Charlene. Because if it were, if they wanted you to be without a doubt that Charlene, was killed you would have seen her face i mean this is a tv show right they're, they're going to finish her off and not leave it up in the air but if they want to leave it up in the air then they're gonna you know oh just you can see blonde hair and the earring it's like that's not evidence right but here's what i'm thinking at this point it's a super collider even if she gets caught in the explosion she probably just went through some like tear in the time space continuum she's going to be in an alternate universe there is something like that is what i That's, guess i was thinking yeah i think point. this is the part where like what they s- are saying starts to sound like charlie brown's teacher to me 
And so I just like all that stuff about what it is and what, ha- like that guy kind of gets lost on me a little bit. Yeah. Now, uh, Jenkins and Eve, they reach that gate. There's uh, the guard, Sergeant Reuben, eh? <laughs> Which I thought, okay. I, you know, clearly they did that on purpose just to poke in at the Canadians, even though <laughs> yeah. probably most of the cast and crew are Canadians. Yeah. Um, well, that guy was, like, like we said, like uh, a... Scottish. Well, no, no, no. This right? is a female. This is when they're outside. Oh. Remember that? Oh, oh, her. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But she was, yeah. She sounded like she was from Ohio or something. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Uh, she like this. But I, yeah, I guess she did have, I guess maybe they were going for a Canadian, but it definitely sounded like a Midwestern accent uh-huh. with that, that peppy Midwestern attitude that she had. So. Yeah. Now, Cassandra wants to reconstruct the video feed to try to get a better look at everything. Flynn goes to the infirmary and, and this is when, you know, he finds the pendant. He goes to look at the remains and you asked earlier in the podcast, how did her pendant get there? Did she drop it? Did she leave it on purpose knowing Flynn would find it? Just, okay, it's my pendant. There's no, I'm still alive, but I don't want you to find me right now. I mean, you know, but the pe- oh, yeah, that's that's actually probably no. On the probably, yeah. no, on the other hand, he gave her the pendant, right? I mean, that I, that's what he, I took away. I felt really bad because I, I I couldn't at all remember what the deal was with it. Obviously, there's significance there. It's probably from one of the movies. I just can't remember what the pendant was, and and so this is how we get feedback, Dave. I say something like this, and we get people telling me how much of an idiot I am for not knowing. Well, so I mean, please look, feel free to tell me I'm an idiot. Uh, you watch a lot of TV, but I, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> if that's the case, then her leaving it behind has a different level of significance. You know, if if she knows it has that much meaning, and she just leaves it as if she doesn't care about it, well, who knows what that's going to do to Flynn? So. Again, there's a wealth of possibilities that come out of that scene, but this is where it starts to look like Flynn's walking into a trap. Stone goes after him, and here's another one of those subtle glances that he gives to Cassandra just before he goes. And again, I don't think it's nothing romantic, nothing like that. It's just, again, it's that that team thing, that family thing that, look, even Jones sacrifices himself for the group who would have ever thought that was possible three four episodes ago right so i i I just think that that look was was really meaningful all right so here's where tom and i think we finally get his last name tom mccormick gets killed by one of the zombies and that's where jones gets bitten by one yeah and you said zombies and oh right that's what i have my notes one of the werewolves (laughs) (laughs) and and i like the fact that he didn't immediately turn into a werewolf you know it's it just seems like everything we see these days it's there's a sense of immediacy bite sure boom that it was a gradual process because everybody knows with werewolves it's a gradual process yeah i mean he didn't even see the moon or anything so i mean i just like there's all kinds of inaccuracies Uh, in this one so i i just i did look up real quick about the pendant though so you want yeah yeah so in the uh, the Judas Chalice, okay, which is second, the second one. I'm not oh, sure. Oh man, okay, it's one of. Them. <laughs> but he uh, actually, I think it might be the last one. But anyway, he comes back and he he was in Louisiana and he comes back and he gives uh, her a pendant 
that he had got from Louisiana. Oh, okay. So I do, I still don't remember that at all. Okay, but uh, but that's where it comes uh, from. So right, it so was. It's they, got they meaning, did but it. yeah. All right. Well, at this point, we find out that Apep possessed Charlene so he could kill her, and then Anubis shows up, Lord of the Underworld, the original werewolf. Let's let's just not say anything about the special effects. It was okay. Mm, all right. <laughs> so why Charlene? I don't know if we get re- a real answer there other than that it, it, he figured it would attract Flynn, which is probably reason enough in and of itself. Sure. But I, I mean, there was this whole, the whole trap, right? So yeah, it was like Charlene. And if you, if you like finish off Charlene, then that's like even better, right? That's, that's like bonus, but really obviously, you know, Flynn's going to come running to help her. Right. And, and, you know, so, so everything starts coming fast and furiously. We, we figure Apep used the collider. Ah, oh, you think you tricked me, but yeah, I really knew what I was doing. I don't know how I feel about stuff written in another language on the wall that's got to be translated. I mean, I get it again as a narrative device, but, you know, the whole in Alexandria, the library was born in my defeat. My resurrection begins, the library's end. Okay, I I get it. Yeah, and also, I mean, let's face it, you know, Jake didn't really have a lot going on this episode, so it gives him a chance to kind of exercise his specialty. Right, translate something. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, so all hell's breaking loose. The, the, the facility's going into lockdown. Sergeant Rubin takes Eve and Jenkins through the woods to get them to the facility, now, did you figure like she's definitely not right? Um, you know, not yet. I, I mean, I was starting to sense something. Eve wants to know, though, even before we find out why Jenkins is even along. And I thought, oh, well, that's kind of odd. Why are you asking him? I mean, it's not as if it's, Jenkins has never. Rude. That, well, but it's not bullying. as if it's not as if he's never turned up in the field before with them. So, but at this True. at this point, Ruben turns out to be Apep, and there will be no one left to stop me from releasing pure evil. And at that point, Jenkins grabs Eve. Over the edge they go. Missed it by that much. First uh, reference to Get Smart. Okay. Oh, right, right. I told you, right? Yeah, there, you're right. You're right. I, you know what? And me saying it just now, I still didn't make the connection. But yep, there's one. That's a that's God. How obvious is that? Yeah. All right. You want to do the other ones now, or just as they come up? Um, see, I just to kind of put them in my notes as they. Well, the the other one was um, oh um, when when Jake first notices Ezekiel's been bitten, he says, "Would you believe I got a tattoo removed?" And, you know, he's always saying, "Would you believe?" Oh, right. Like right. Oh yeah. Good point. So you know, and we we just talked about last week you know, with chaos. You know, and how that was like the bad guys in Get Smart. So now this is like the third thing in, like, I don't think we're, I don't think these are accidental, especially the missed it by that much. You know, I'm like, that's, oh, that's definitely Get Smart. And then he said, would you believe I got a tattoo? I'm like, oh, dude, they're, they're just dropping Get Smart references left, right, and center for us to, little Easter eggs for us to pick up. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love. Right. All right. Well, 
So there's one more, but okay. as I get smart, but I got one more reference later. I'll, I'll say what's coming. So we got Doctor Who right now. Okay. Two weeks in a row. We've got Get Smart two weeks in a row. And then we got a more esoteric one later. Okay. But I'll leave I'll leave that up to uh to the um to suspense okay. for our audience. All right. And I'm sure I won't pick up on it. But right. <laughs> well, you definitely will because I'm pretty sure you've never seen this last show. Okay. All right. So Stone's concerned about Jones getting bitten, and, and you know he he's pleading with Flynn. We still have time to do something, right? But at this point, Flynn is just totally zoned out. I mean, mm-hmm. he's I, I guess losing Charlene. The, the again thinking he's been trapped by APEP. I, I I just think he's just like momentarily, and and you know I think we've seen this before. And he snaps out of it as he always does, but really, before, I guess what snaps him out of it is Becker setting that self-destruct mechanism, which he assumes is just going to stop the werewolves from getting out. Which obviously it will, but of course Becker is the next one to die, and now it becomes a question how to override the self-destruct mode. And again, I like the fact that Cassandra didn't just wave her hands in the air and and do that thing right. that she always does that you brought up last week. So, yeah, she does yeah, well, figure I, it out. But sure, right, right. I, I I guess maybe they thought after that episode they they looked back at it and said, you know what, we probably had her do that a little bit too much. Maybe we'll, we'll dial it back a little bit this week. But if you really think about it, really none of the three have like a huge part in this. I mean, if anyone Jones probably does because of, you know, once again, him sacrificing himself. That's right. But Cassandra and Jacob are almost, you know, hardly in it at all. Right. And, and, but especially stone, I mean, they seem to be significant impact scenes, albeit small. So, you know, Flynn just says, you know what, just let it blow up. And stone's like, no, you know, I'm, you're going to figure this out. We're going to figure this out. Right. Jones figures out a way to do it and offers to distract the werewolves while the others, you know, cut the three lines that, that they're talking about. And, and again, that, that figuring that steam is going to disable the werewolves. Uh, and, and of course, you know, uh, obviously that plays out to their advantage, but yeah, it does. And this is where the, the third, the, well, not the third, but the next reference comes in. So you probably have never seen any of the black adder shows. Have you? I haven't, but I know you've mentioned them before. Yeah. They're, Awesome. But so um, Ezekiel goes, let me guess, you have a cunning plan. And uh, the one character, Baldrick, that was his like, that was his tagline. Like, I have a cunning plan. He would always say that, you know, and it was always not cunning because Baldrick was not like the brightest character and everything. So played by Tony Robinson. I believe Tony Robinson's the guy played. Anyway, hilarious. So when they did that, I'm like, oh, now they're, now they're shouting out the black guy. I'm like, come on, guys. You're killing it here. All, All right. right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, Jones prepares, again, heroically to face the werewolves. And then Flint tells him, well, you know, I could be wrong. <laughs> and then again, well, at least I'll die happy knowing you were finally wrong about something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that look that Flint gives him, I- I'm not sure if it's pride <laughs> or that he's pissed off. <laughs> Yeah, I think it seemed to me he's a little proud. Okay, I, that's, I'm going with that as well. So releasing the steam seems to have worked, but now they got to cut the power lines. And to a certain extent, I, I guess there's an irony that I see that Cassandra tells the soldiers to stay put, stay safe, 
And then she runs out with Stone and Flynn. And I'm thinking like, I love it. Yeah. But uh-huh. there is a, a certain level of irony there. Sure, sure. But see how far she's come, though. You yeah, know, like. that's what I mean. Now, just before they do it, Flynn suggests that if they time it right, they can send Anubis back through the space-time rift that the collider's going to open up. And, and of course, that is, in fact, what happens. But also, we have another uh, conversation between Eve and Jenkins centered around keeping secrets and that idea that a guardian needs to trust the caretaker. Have we used that word before with Jenkins? Caretaker. You know what? I was wondering that exact same thing. I just kind of assumed that they had, and we just kind of missed it. But yeah, which is like, I'm not saying we don't miss stuff, you know, but I don't really recall them saying, but but you know what? Actually, maybe when they first met Jenkins, I think yeah. he might have referred to himself as a caretaker. Well, okay, then it, but it, 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 it had to be reinforced. Lot, sure, exactly. Right. Exactly. So now you know it's just so much is becoming clearer. You know that that we've got four librarians now. We've got two guardians, albeit one's more active than the other, and and we've got the caretaker of the library, or is he the caretaker? Of the guardian, is he the caretaker of the library? It's it's just uh, I'll just or he's a guardian caretaker librarian all wrapped in one. But what we do, he's a guard taking right. But what we do find out though is that Charlene is apparently the only one that knows how to stop Apep. So right, is this the last time we've seen Charlene? I'm Clearly guessing not. no. Right. I mean, I don't think we're going to see her a lot, and, and I'm no. glad that I will. I, I'm, I I'll say episode ten. Okay, and that would be perfectly fine. With or me. episode nine if there it's like a two parter. Okay, that would that would be fine. Yeah, they haven't gone that far ahead, so uh, you know we don't know about that. But you wonder, and we've talked about this before, that this was the first season that didn't open with a double episode, and right. And now that we're here, I'm glad they did it this way. Well. You know, I mean, well, I mean, like not putting this with the other one because they don't go together. But the the thing about the double episode, which is what we were exactly complaining about last week, is that it was all exposition and very little story. If you do the double episode, it gives you a chance to do both at the same time. Yeah, sure. Right. We get to the end there, and you just you just paused by the profundity of that last statement. I just it just blows your mind. It did. I, I admit it. <laughs> now I don't even know. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So, so somebody's got to shut off the steam because Jones was supposed to do it, but he's really starting to feel the effects. He's starting to wolf out a of the bit. bite. The soldier that's been drinking decides he's going to do it, and she's like, "Where'd this bravery come from?" And he's like, "You know, the whole well. You know, at least I've been I got drunk for something, courage in a bottle or whatever." Yeah, I might not be able to find the wheel, but I'll be brave enough to turn it should I find it. All right, but then did you see Flynn wielding the wrench? Yeah, a la Stone again. A la Stone, yeah. And he lures the werewolves and Anubis. Apep makes an appearance, but. You know, a- a- again, as it turns out, Apep will live to fight another day, which is fine because we got eight episodes to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got, don't, don't, you can't defeat them just yet. Unless they're going to pull a 24, which is get halfway through the season, have Jack Bauer wow. take yeah. out the terrorist, and then just as he's sitting down to relax, oh, new, new, his new cell issue. phone goes off. I'm yep. like, you know what? I'm done. New, new I, bad guy. I quit. 
So, all right, well, we get to the closing scene. Jones is turning into a werewolf. We get the fangs, the beard. You know, we said we get rid of Anubis and, and Apep. Cassandra uses a small reconstruction spell and is able to determine that Charlene did not die in the explosion. So she, you know, shows us the truth. So we know she's still out there. Along with the truth. But then we get to perhaps, I guess, maybe the most pivotal scene. And I mean this sincerely in the whole episode. Flynn's gone and he leaves Eve a goodbye note. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you make of that? I got two two minds on this one, I think. Like, first of all, you can you can't help but think that's kind of like like a like a weak move. It is. Know? Like if you're gonna say goodbye, tell her to her face, right? Yep. Don't leave a note and you know, and scamper off. On the other hand, dramatically it's so effective because we can actually watch him leaving as she's reading the note, which is just a really effective and, and emotional. So, uh, as a, you know, as a actual human being, I say weak move as a fictional character move. Classic. Right. And what I love also is the fact that she knows him so well, she accepts him for who he is. That's what he does. In fact, you know, a couple episodes ago, she said, you know, you don't have to run this time. This time he had to run, at least in his own mind. And and I guess from a narrative standpoint, since Charlene is the only one that knows how to stop Apep, he, he kind of did. But then he left that little breadcrumb at the end that, you know, once I get back, I promise you we'll take that vacation. Right. Because it's, again, she asks so little of him. You know, I think it's starting she just wants to, to go to Rio for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like evil stops mucking with the world. Like, you know, so it's tough to take a vacation when you have a job like the librarians. Well, that's why you have four of them. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. True. So, True that. They can take shifts. They can take shifts. I like Work it. out a schedule. Yep. But uh, a really good episode. I'm going to stick yeah. with the A minus. Uh, I'm sticking with the A minus too, though. Well, you know, well, look, I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm bumping up the A because I like just all the little references that they had in there. I think um, to me that they that fed to into my you know like kind of what I like. So I'm, I'm bumping up to it a a, um, a a minus plus. Okay, you know, I mean, here, look. We shouldn't have to justify not giving something an A plus, for instance. We've well, given out a but couple. But you don't want to overgrade, though. You know, exactly. Like, that's you right. want to save the A pluses for for something that's really good. You know, I mean, not that this wasn't really good, but there's episodes that are like just kind of like transcendent. Yes, know? yes. And, you know, with the Santa Claus episode for one, episode yeah. nine from last season. So yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll give out another one soon. So, uh, yeah, okay. Anything else uh, we're forgetting that you want to bring up? Okay. So there's just, I forgot to mention this when we were, so there's a, a one scene uh, where I guess, oh, what was it? Um, so I, I can't, like, Flynn comes up with, like, like he turns to Ezekiel, like, you, oh, like, you can figure out how to get us to the, uh, to the um, infirmary. And Ezekiel looks up, and then the the light above him goes on at the same time. And I'm like, usually that's kind of like a, a cheap little uh, 
metaphorical ploy that they do in TV and movies, but I kind of liked it in that case. Okay. I didn't notice that one, but yeah, I like, like almost like in a cartoon even. Yeah. Like the light bulb going on. Sure. So. All right. So I think that's, uh, that's about it for me, I think. All right. Good. Well, we're two episodes in, um, you know, I think like we said, I think they've, they've listed episodes running straight through till Christmas night. And, and I haven't seen anything listed for after that. So, We'll have to keep an eye on that, but I want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Love to hear from you with uh, follow-ups about this episode, any of the librarians episode, anything you think we should be watching. I'd like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the speak pipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week to discuss Season 3, Episode 3, titled The Librarians and the Reunion of Evil, which is going to be directed by Noah Wiley. But until then... You know, Dave, over this next week, I think I really need to balance my emotional checkbook. <laughs>